what if this New York Times bestseller and it's revealed a month later after being on the list that it was like 99% or 100% written by an AI and it was a work of fiction. Let's not even talk about like a work of nonfiction, like maybe a memoir or something. Being masqueraded as AI, I mean, that, uh, there's a lot to be uh, unpacked there. Um, what is the reaction of the world, right? Would, you know, would I be offended um, if I found out that it was my new favorite author was just an AI? Hello, and welcome to Lit Visions, a podcast about fiction, its future, and other possibilities in literature. My name's Drew, and I'm your host. In this debut episode, I speak with James Yu, who is a writer, technologist, and artist based in San Francisco. James is the co-founder of PseudoWrite, the AI assistant for creative writers, and he also makes art that explores how technology mediates our everyday experience. James and I were first introduced last year through a mutual friend, and we had such a great chat that we decided to have it again on this podcast. Our conversation today largely explores fiction through the lens of technology. We cover topics such as fiction's relationship with AI, the tension between craft and technology, how writers can adopt and leverage new tools, and how society's need for fiction has changed over the years. It was such a pleasure speaking with James, and I hope you also enjoyed the conversation. Here's James Yu. James, welcome to Lit Visions, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Drew. How are you? I am doing great. This is the first podcast, so so damn excited about this, man. Why don't we just get straight into it with a pretty big question we could probably spend the whole podcast just on this one question which is also totally cool but <laughs> what does sure. fiction mean mean to you ah uh, yeah it's the uh, the big question um <laughs> i think fiction for me is understanding um it's really understanding people right and how we sort of and humanity right i mean i think it's just so fundamental just storytelling um yeah i mean it's just it's just really empathy and under being able to put yourselves in other folks shoes and also to be moved um that's quite wide wide ranging i think from a from a maybe from a a scientific (laughs) maybe engineering point of view uh, which i'm also an engineer it's i always think of it as almost like a like a test for um for how, you know, how, how do we react in certain situations and sort of uh, how, how true a, a story feels. Um, and I, I guess, like, I, I feel like re- the act of reading fiction is basically just understanding other people. Uh, I guess maybe that's a shorter way of fundamentally uh, uh, talking about it. That's uh, so wonderful and, like, so refreshing as well. Um, I feel like what's so interesting about uh, you, right, as as just, let's say, a professional, as uh, a reader of fiction, is how you've spent a bunch of time thinking about fiction, both as a reader and a writer, but also as a technologist, right? So I think perhaps what's so refreshing about your answer is that, you know, the, ultimately it, it it is about people, not necessarily about technology, um, and we we can talk a bunch about technology <clears throat> through the you know 
through the conversation because I'm, I'm sure it will come up. In fact, why don't we just shift gears immediately to um, your life as an engineer, uh, pseudo right, the vision for the company and, 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 and what you're building? Yeah, sure thing. Um, yeah, so I mean, I have been an engineer for quite a while, uh, a couple decades now. Um, and, you know, I wrote short stories when I was a kid. And so the sort of journey there is that my, my parents were like, just like stem, stem, stem. So I went into uh, engineering for a long time uh, and I sort of didn't write many stories for a while. And so I um, did various startups uh, and then ended up doing a sabbatical um, for uh, about a year to just like re-enliven that fiction writing part of my brain. Uh, and that, you know, that was very stimulating and also humbling. <laughs> um, and so that sort of led me down the pathway of investigating these sort of large language models, um, like GPT-3, uh, and see if that was actually applicable to the craft of fiction. And that, that's basically what led me to, uh, create Pseudorite with my co-founder Amit, uh, Gupta, um, and so we were both in that sort of boat of technologists, but just, you know, very interested in the act of creation of fictional worlds, fictional characters, and writing our own stories. Um, so we sort of built that as a toy for ourselves and our writing groups um, to begin with. So Pseudorite is, what we're building is basically an AI assistant, creative assistant for uh, for writers, and mostly, for, mostly fo focused on narrative uh, writing. Um, and our, basically our hypothesis is that, um, you know, there have been so many different kinds of, uh, craft techniques, you know, in fiction for, you know, since the dawn of time, right. Uh, whether that's, uh, going to your muse, you know, like talking, you know, thinking about the people in your past and relationships and coming, coming up with different ideas. Um, and we, so we sort of see AI as, um, being able, it's it's gone to the point now where we think these language large language models can be um, a productive partner now um, to not to not replace the writer but to uh, as a tool uh, similar to how Photoshop uh, is a tool for artists and you know it's the artists use it all the time to create you know create you know new mediums new types of art. Um, so we think AI, uh, specifically in these in the language domain, um, can also do that for writers, and that that's yeah that's the current, currently what we're what we're building. Really incredible, man. So, how do you feel the literary community should be thinking about AI? We've had a bunch of conversations in the past about this as well. I feel as though mm -hmm. um, it's a really really <laughs> polarizing topic it evokes yeah. all sorts of like different reactions um generally i feel like the conversation's not a particularly healthy one it's much more uh, <laughs> divisive and it also in many ways mm. seems like uninformed right um regardless of what side you're on sometimes i feel um one of my one of my favorite novels actually is zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance um and oh, yeah. i feel I like yeah. right yeah and i feel like uh, i just love how Persig really sort of just hit the nail on the head when it came to um, people and their different understandings of the world, right? There's like the classical, mm -hmm. uh, logical, rational understanding of the world um, that takes a vested interest in underlying form and how a machine works and systems of logic 
And then there's the romantic, like creative understanding of the world, which is not really how the machine works, but like what it means and what it means in someone's life. Um, and yeah, I feel like that, if anything, that, that like sort of divide is really unfortunately like alive and well, um, mm -hmm. and AI seems to be the, uh, the thing, um, at the center of that divide right now. So yeah. What are your thoughts on all of that? Like, how do you feel yeah. people are currently um, thinking about it? How do you feel like people should be thinking about it as well, if, if at all? Yeah. So I, I'm definitely an optimist in terms of technology. Uh, I think technology can be used for good or bad, right? Uh, and, you know, that's part of the reason why I, uh, me and Ahmed are building this, because we feel like we can, uh, we want to build this in a healthy way uh, to help writers and creative folks in general. I think, I think the whole, I, I agree with you, it's very divisive. Uh, and I think it goes back to a lot of the tropes, actually, of science fiction, um, right. of AI, dystopic AI, a Terminator, and, you know, iRobot, all these things, like, coming in, and um, we have this anthropomorphized uh, vision of what a super mega, um, oh, hold on, oh, yeah, sorry, um, we have this, we have this idea of this super mega, like, um, AI coming in and uh, basically taking over everything, right? It's a very, very black and white in, in that sense. Um, and I think this, this also goes back to what you're saying about the misinformedness of uh, a lot of writers. It's just, it, I see these, these, these large language models are basically pattern matchers, right? They're taking in a lot of you know, literature and taking in a lot of data and you're able to use it as a tool to kind of complete things or to to uh to reflect on that data right um so i think the way to think about sort of a just ai assistance is that it is i mean it is not unlike um i, mean, I have these for example these story cards here uh which is like a writer writer emergency pack and this is you know, right. this is a whole genre of these kinds of tools right which you pull out a card if you're stuck and it says like, oh, what if your main character dies? What would happen, you know? Um, so I, and it's very, I think the, we, we sort of see these tools as pretty non-threatening, right? Because it's, you know, it's a card, right? It's, it, it's up to you to create the worlds based on these things or up to you to, uh, to react in a certain way. Yep. Um, and it's almost like a toy, right? Uh, so that is kind of how... I see these language models as well. They're, they are kind of like toys. They're another card pack. It's another, and very super powered in, in terms of the amount of data it has and can really understand kind of the stories that you're giving it. So, I mean, at least like Ame and I are trying to design write in this way that to enhance the playfulness of a writer so that they can go in and produce the creative works that resonate with them, right? Um, so I think that just just like going back to the Photoshop analogy, we don't, you know, there are AI tools in Photoshop as well, but, you know, right. artists aren't saying like, oh, wow, this is uh, it's going to take over my entire job, et cetera, et cetera, right? They use it in a way that um, builds upon sort of the foundations that they have in their craft, right? Um, so something adjacent to this is I, I always tell people, like, if you're a bad writer, Sudorite is not going to make you a good writer. <laughs> yeah. right? It's really up to you. It's up to you, right? So it's not like the machine's coming in and being like, okay, now I'm just going to like do the entire thing for you. Well, then it wouldn't be yours, right? So um, I think there, 
there's a lot to unpack there. I think that there's a sort of an agency kind of thing that uh, writers feel like, oh, they're, they're going to lack that sort of agency. And I think it's actually the opposite with uh, the tools, at least where, the way we're designing these tools, is that we actually give authors even more agency um, in, in the kinds of things that they can think about the thing, in, in terms of their inspiration, in terms of um, how they use these tools. They're always in control. And I think that in terms of tooling, uh, those are the tools that win. The tools that give a full agency and power to the creator, and in this case, the writers. Yeah, so much to unpack there. Uh, firstly, <laughs> um, I love that you brought up that pack of cards, because I feel like, I mean, that's such a good example, right? Um, and it's just an example of this almost like this recency bias that blinds us when it comes to looking at tools and technology, right? I think we all forget that at some point in time, everything that we use and consider like commodities or everyday objects today, or even like nostalgic objects were cutting edge pieces of technology, right? Like even mm -hmm. pen and mm -hmm. paper, right? Like analog tools that are, no one really would consider a technology today um, at some point was probably like cutting edge really scary right hyped up um and there were probably mm -hmm. like a whole band of naysayers who were like you know <laughs> this is gonna summon in end times <laughs> um and yeah i mean and but and at the same time i sort of like i really do get that fear right because i feel like with so much of technology it's like it it moves really fast like arguably faster mm -hmm. than uh, you know, we are biologically evolving. Um, so it's difficult to make sense of, right? It's, it's, it's oftentimes like glitzy. It can be really, really loud. Um, mm -hmm. And because of that, it, it just, it's, it's disorientating. It's intimidating. Um, and another point I feel, and it would be good to get your thoughts on this. I feel like sometimes there is this real conflict, especially when it comes to like writing novels or long form fiction, um, which requires like, you know, a very seemingly opposite set of qualities and values like patience dedication time commitment right, right? like yeah. arguably lots and lots of time away from your your phone or your apps or whatever mm -hmm. um yeah. for both reading and writing right for for both parts of like the, the mm -hmm. fictional experience um so yeah i feel like there is a tension between sometimes like craft um and technology and yet they feed into each other as well um so not really a question as such, but what do you, what do you think about that tension at all? Do you think it's, it's a valid tension? How do we navigate it? Or what, it'd be good to get your thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, some, something I always find ironic is that, you know, writers uh, are really addicted to Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's all about words, right? Um, and that sort of dichotomy is, uh, rings very true there, right? I mean, Twitter is sort of the opposite of what you want to be doing as a writer, right? <laughs> uh, it's all about like small dopamine hits, you know, like write little short things, but only to get, get clickbait, you know? Um, um, but it's also super, you know, super addictive. Um, and I, I see that as the, I think there is this polarization um, here where that craft of, you know, specifically long form fiction, it's, yeah, I mean, you don't get that. I mean, you, you, you don't get that sort of, um, you have to, you know, you know, they always say like button seats, right? Uh, you need long, deep work, right? Which is kind yeah. of the opposite of a lot of the sort of the media landscape that we have 
today. So you sort of have to shut that out. Uh, but I think, yeah, I mean, that goes back to like discipline and craft, right? Um, but uh, there, there's, um, but I do think that there's something valuable in that, um, in the Twitter-like mediums as well, even for fiction writers. Um, so there's, uh, there's this author named Robin Sloan, um, and he talks, he has a blog post about stock and flow. Um, so stock is the stuff that is the long-term work that you're, um, that you're working on. It's your novel, it's your short story, it's the thing that you're spending 12 plus drafts on, right? That, um, that you're not even showing it, not really showing many people yet. And flow is the stuff that is like your blog posts, your tweets, or the things that you're ingesting that is in the flow of the world that is happening, right? Um, so I think there is peril in going to one side, like 100% right. to one side or the other, right? I think that you do need to have some flow coming in, right, to sort of like bounce your ideas off of, you're getting your you know, brain thinking about those things, but you also need to focus on the stock, uh, which is just like your long form deep work. But I do think that it goes hand in hand because you can't, I mean, we live in society, right? <laughs> yep. um, so, I, and, and you know, we're, all, we're humans, right? And I think that if you ignore totally one or the other, it's, uh, it's also bad. Um, so then it's, then I think, you know, this is sort of a cop-out answer, but I think that it really is that gray area, right? I think that some people are very good at shutting off, you know, uh, as much as the sort of the flow as possible. But, um, but I think it really comes down to kind of your, um, your results, right? I mean, just like, can you, are you able to get the words down on the page and something that you feel good about? Um, and I think that that, that training of the internal auteur, right? Um, that if you have a strong auteur and strong sense of discipline, then, um, you know, these distractions are minimized, I think. Um, easier said than done, but, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> and I definitely, I definitely have struggled with that in my, uh, kind of my sabbatical, just like rank fiction being, being holed up and just trying to, you know, focus on that, right? Um, and I think I actually went too much the other way, where I was ignoring the world uh, for the first few months, and, you know, that's just not a... Not a good place to be. So I think that there is this, uh, there is this poisonous um, ideal of the log cabin uh, writer who yeah. never goes out and is grizzled and is like, I love you know, poisonous is away ideal. from society. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it's bad. I think because, because right. if you separate yourself from society, then you do not really, then you, you lack this sort of understanding, right? This lacking context, right? You need context. Um, so yeah, I would tread the line, right? I think that it's a, uh, uh, it, there definitely is those glitzy things, um, but uh, it's it's about the balance between between the two. Yeah, I also feel like, you know, ultimately, if let's say, going into a forest um, and being in a log cabin, if that absolutely works for you and it's unique to your process, then then great. Right. Um, but I feel like oftentimes our associations and our relationships with things like technology are not actually our own. We've just adopted them because it's society's relationship mm. with mm -hmm. that thing. Right. Um, and we've not really understood it. We've not, you know, uh, for whatever reason. Um, and I think that's like really, really dangerous. Ultimately, like, you know, um, in fact, something you said about Twitter made me laugh because I remember 
think it was Ishiguro who um like he's classically not on anything right um and he was yeah. asked this question mm-hmm. like why why do you not use yeah. social media um he <laughs> really really like i thought it was just a kind of adorable sweet reply is like firstly you know i think um generally i've just always been left behind <laughs> by culture and technology <laughs> like he was growing up growing up i think at the time of the beatles and pink floyd and he never really like connected to it at the time but then 30 40 years later he was like wow pink floyd is amazing right um but he 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 said like look i think if you look at things like twitter it it's writing right and i feel like i don't really want to do too much more of that outside of my like my core craft right like at the end of the day i'm so exhausted the last thing i really want to do mm-hmm. is just like write you know these flippant 280 character things um like i i'd rather just like stay away which is like fair enough okay that's and and you also i think um blessed enough that you perhaps don't need need that distribution anymore right um and you've just you've just carved your own way which is great um but generally i feel you know you know you're right it's it's about um balance and whatever that balance means to you um and i feel comes down to just being conscious right being conscious of the technology that you're using how do you want to use it right like a certain tool may work for you better than others a certain time of day a certain cadence like basically yeah what whatever works for you but like be conscious about it and and think about it perhaps from first principles as opposed to just adopting like a a dystopian or even utopian narrative as well like all technology is good all technology is bad like these are equally dangerous um positions i feel oh yeah yeah i yeah i just think black and white thinking is um uh, well back to twitter i mean i think it is very encouraged on twitter <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because That's, it's like yes the views right um but yeah yeah i also yeah in terms of how many craft books are out there in terms in terms of just fiction just probably as right. many as writers <laughs> yep. um and uh yeah you have to find your own pathway into um in, into that but i th- i think what you're what you're talking about in terms of being conscious about it um is something that needs to be developed too i think as a creator yep. because i i think as in, in the beginning you're sort of not I think that you're ingesting yeah. a lot of from teachers, from coaches, from from you know, I have so many craft books behind me. Uh yeah. and I just remember reading all those and then um and then really it takes I think it takes time to be to soak in a particular medium before you can really start forming your own opinions that you consciously know that they're right. your own and not someone else's. Uh so I do think that that is very important. Um and it's in in sort of developing developing yourself as um a creative individual. Yeah. M- most definitely. Something else you said earlier in the conversation was around how um you know coming back to Sudo right you guys are building it I feel like from a very uh, positive place of intention, right? You're not building to replace or displace, you're building to like enrich, augment and inspire, right? Um this is like a two part thing that i'm i'm super curious about one is um is like i i feel you know ai today um whilst it's really really impressive with what gpt3 can do and so many other models that are like coming mm-hmm. up now um but it still feels like look it's it's not capable of writing a, you know a, a complete novel as of yet uh, i i could be mm-hmm. wrong but from whatever i've seen it feels like no 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 we're we're quite far away from that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so that somewhat is still a bit of a science fiction like we're just not there so like perhaps it's not even worth entertaining 
But I'm assuming one day we will be there, right? We could be there quite soon.、Mm. Um, and then that will have fascinating consequences for so many different worlds, right? The world of like just human creativity, the world of like copyright law, of publishing,、um, yep. the economics、yep. around books. So,、um, yeah, first, first part, like just to unpack that, how far away do you feel we are from you know, just clicking a button and an AI generating <laughs> an entire book or a film? Um, like fully f i l m e d Yeah.、Um, I mean, it's a, I think it's a little bit like Moore's Law in that every year, maybe, maybe now it can do a paragraph or a few paragraphs.、Right. And then,、uh, you know, I hear GPT 4 is coming down the pipeline. Who knows? Maybe GPT 5、yep. will be like, okay, now I can write a short story. Maybe it's not the best, but it's like actually coherent, right? I mean, today, as you said, like today, there are like people trying to write entire novels just. Mashing the button, right? And they're terrible, right? It's just like, they're、yes. just sort of surrealistic, like, <laughs>、um, uh, non sequiturs everywhere.、Uh, right. But yeah, I think it will come to a time now if you just, yeah, fast forward that what if you could push a button and an entire novel comes out that's、uh, tailored to your tastes?、Um, now, I don't know, it's very hard to.、Um, Uh, estimate timelines for these things because I, I actually think that we underestimate the short term、um, and we overestimate the long term.、Um, and so, is it five years? Is it 10 years? It's, also, it's, it's similar to like self driving cars, right?、Um, that there's these going to be niggling edge cases uh, uh, that last you know, 5% of that novel. Right, to really finesse it is going to take a lot more.、Uh, maybe, a different, maybe a different architecture. Is it just really just throwing more data there? It's, there's a lot of unanswered questions in there. And also, just in terms of、uh, the people who are working on like, sort of prompt engineering it, just like it's a lot of art. There's also a lot of art to it in terms of creating these kinds of tools. So, I think it's very hard to say when that will happen.、Um, Maybe the more interesting question is what will happen when that happens. Right. So, yeah, that's、uh, the next one. <laughs> like, imagine, I, I always think that, here's a shelling point that's like, what if there's New York Times bestseller and it's revealed a month later after being on the list that it was like 99% or 100% written by an AI and it was a work of fiction? Let's not even talk about like a work of nonfiction, like maybe a memoir or something. Being masqueraded as AI, I mean, the. Uh, there's a lot to be、uh, unpacked there.、Um, what is the reaction of the world, right? Would, you know, would I be offended、um, if I found out that, and it was my new favorite author, it was just an AI?、Um, I mean, to answer my own question, I think, I think I wouldn't be as long as it was not couched in a way that it was supposed to be a real lived experience of a human. Now, if it was a fictional world,、um, You know, totally, totally fictitious, and if it stirred emotions in me,、uh, then, then, who, you know, then, it's, it, then the piece of art can stand by itself, right? Now, in terms of what does that mean for the writing world, right? What does it mean for creators in general? I mean, maybe it, create, maybe it can create a whole movie in the future, right? That's sort of、um, uh, tailored to you. I think in that world, it's almost. I think there will still be a parallel、um, set of media where people will still crave you know, films and books that are written by, mostly written by people.、Uh, 
on original voices, right? Um, how that distribution like plays out, like I, it's very hard to say. Uh, but I do think that New York Times moment will be very. Uh, it's I, it's going to stir a lot of controversy um, amongst ev basically ev everyone on Earth because it's it's almost it, you know how how AI there's always this moving of the goalposts right before we had said that chess was the soul right and no of course a machine cannot play chess right uh, yep. but as soon as you know Deep Blue B Kasparov we moved the goalposts. We said, oh, no, no, chess, no, no, it's just all data. It's yeah, just yeah. all data, right? So it's not, there's no, there's no heart in it, right? Yeah, of course, of course the machine. Wait, you just said that <laughs> it was the heart and soul. So then the goalposts moved, right? Um, and I think that's, a, that's kind of a mistaken thing because I see, you know, the AI is taking in, it's taking in data, it's reflecting it, and it's understanding it to some level, right? Now, what is understanding? We can talk about that, but, you know, it's, it can pass a comprehension test of English comprehension test, right? Um, and I think if it is creating things from that reflection of source material, it's still creating things from hum, human, um, human input, right? Right. Um, and is it creating something that feels genuine to people? Then I think that's okay. Uh, I would I would still read that. Um, implications to the industry TBD. Uh, <laughs> I I I'm very curious how to see how that turns out. Um, I, me personally, I mean, we are building Sudorite as a as a companion, right? As a tool. So we're less interested in yeah the one button push novel thing. We want yeah. to be able to still like you know human. So actually the the um, our company name is actually called Human Plus Plus. So humans oh, at I the center. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's augmenting, right? It's like giving you giving you a digital muse in that way. So our, at least at least my focus um, uh, and my goal is really to you know elevate hu humans in that in that process. Humans still at the center. Oh wow, amazing! Um, <laughs> I feel like that New York Times question. It's like the most emotionally intense version of that Turing test, right? I feel like hearts right, will be yes. broken, and <laughs> yeah, what a question, man! I mean, I what about like, you? I mean, how, how would your reaction be if you? If you know, the first word that came to mind when you asked that question. <laughs> I feel, I, so, for some reason, I feel, I, I, I thought I would feel betrayed, <laughs> mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You know yeah, what I mean? I, yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah. I, I also know, like. Um, people have the relationship that people have with books and the mm -hmm. fictional worlds uh, within those books um, are so different to the relationship that people have with the authors, right? Um, like I, I personally and someone, as soon as I'm in a couple of chapters into a, a novel and I'm enjoying it, um, I'll be on like, you know, I'll be going down so many internet rabbit holes to learn more about the author. Um, mm -hmm. just to like yes. peek not even necessarily peek into their mind I'm just really yeah. really curious right um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I feel like it's it's almost like a uh, they really feel like a close friend right it feels like wow mm -hmm. this is such a mm -hmm. like beautiful yeah. intimate expression I also feel like I, I just philosophically feel it's impossible not to um, uh, give something of yourself in your own story and to reveal parts of yourself in your own story, no matter how like far removed, I feel like it's just, that's just not how it works. Right. So I, I'm, I'm really curious about the, the person. So I feel that if, if, um, 
I ended up finding out it's it's not a person, it's a machine, I, mm-hmm. there'd be a sense of betrayal, yeah. but also perhaps like awe and wonder as well. Because like, I think if you, if you abstract away the, like almost the emotions and spirituality from it for just a second, um, mm-hmm. ultimately like all of, let's say creativity and, and writing, it's all just like combinatorial, right? Um, and on a very, very sort of like dry level, mm-hmm. it's like we, 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 you know, we nourish ourselves with stimulus, with data, with mm-hmm. facts, with information, with other writing styles, with craft books. Um, and then we, we yeah, we, we run some kind of like combinatorial algorithm, piece together things that make sense to us um, and then put it out there into the world. Now, that's what machines do as well. As you said, mm-hmm. there's a question, how consciously are they doing that? Um, but that's that's the same. So what is there necessarily to be so afraid of? And, and it links to another thing you said, I feel like around the, the philosophy, right? Um, that ultimately, I think, well, again, what, what I love about your mission as well is that um, you've taken a stand, essentially, right? That human creativity, is re- it's really important. It's something that should be like uh, oh, yeah. cultivated, mm-hmm. nourished, protected, preserved. Um, and and I feel that's just such a great stand. It also makes building this stuff like just more holistic and easier as well. It, it just by definition, that would, you know, mean we should be building these AI tools at the start of a creative process, not necessarily at the end. Right. Because at the start, it is it is all about like breadth, not necessarily going down one you know path it's, it's about mm-hmm. just exposure and like possibilities 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 um and the wonderful thing i feel about like algorithms is that they are exposed to more possibilities than we could you know than, than you know than uh, than we are right yes there's a question mm-hmm. of like meaning sure. and understanding like did they understand the works of hemingway or the old man in the sea in the way that we would as individuals reading it probably not mm-hmm. i mean no Right, like their sophisticated <laughs> algorithm, but that doesn't mean it's still not helpful, right? Um, from the from mm-hmm. the perspective of like pattern recognition um, and suggesting like possibilities to you. But yeah, and you know, I, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I, I think like if that's the that's that's in my opinion the only like right place to come from when building this stuff, um, as opposed to the other way, right? Yeah, I think maybe a more mundane comparison with, you know, a, you know, writing AIs is is it is something you said about research, right? It is uh, input. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of times when I'm stuck uh, writing a story, I will go read uh, an author, you know, that is sort of writing in the same genre or or is sort of tackling similar themes, or maybe even just in terms of the tone, right? Um, and, you know, reading those passages can sort of enliven that part of my brain, but also see things that maybe I've subconscious, like missed it that were in my subconscious, but that yep. were, that is made explicit on another author's page, right? Um, so similar to, you know, when we're we getting text back from a language model, I, you know, it's as if, Sometimes, sometimes the way the mode that I view that is like, oh, I found this. I found this piece of paper that has these words on it. It's in the, in the it's a passage somewhere, right? But it's, 
But in the advantage there is that the language model can reflect on exactly the sort of thing that you've written and can give you another configuration of it. Right. right? Another, you know, another option. Um, and that way, I think it's similar to Googling too. Right? I mean, we're going down Wikipedia rabbit hole uh, and just reading these things. Um, you know, GPT-3 and you know, all these language models can do uh, something that's similar to search in that way. And, but instead of coming back with web pages, it comes back with fully formed paragraphs uh, that are a reflection um, of your thing. And, uh, and something, something adjacent to that is like recontextualization. Um, right. So we always talk about how these language models can generate the next few sentences and it just sounds so, you know, like as if the author had written it. And, you know, that's great. I mean, that is kind of the, the bread and butter. But I think something that's even more profound is you can ask it questions like, what do you think about this story or this passage? And depending on how you sort of form these prompts to it, you can get it to reflect on the themes that it's picked up. And I've done this in uh, when I've done this in my stories when I'm stuck, and it's been able to pick up on certain things that bringing to bringing something explicit that was in my subconscious, and then makes me recontextualize the story in a way that I realize what I'm actually trying to write, what I'm actually trying to convey to the reader. Uh, but if you don't make that conscious, it's very hard for you to accentuate that and also to mold that, right? And I think that's you know, what you're trying to get from critique partners, right? From other right. humans, right? When you're, they're reading a story, but not, not everyone has the luxury of, you know, having informed critique partners that know how to right. give that kind of feedback. I feel like I, it took me a year to even get to that level. Of like, how do I give good critiques? So, and I think in, that goes beyond research, right? Because I think that if an AI can help you, because the comprehension level of these language models have reached almost human level, Yep. That even if it just tells you what it thinks about these things, about your story, um, that may be, I, I find that to actually be 10x more helpful than just, oh, give me the next paragraph uh, in many instances, because that's more about the forest and uh, not necessarily the trees. Um, so I think that is actually the next challenge of a lot of these tools, uh, to focus on that forest. Because I think that that is the stuff that when you get that feedback for your story that it breaks it, right? It helps you break that story and you realize like how to make it 10x better instead of, you know, 1.1x better, right? You, you know, um, I think I remember when we, we, we first connected a few months ago and we, we had quite a fairly uh, long conversation about just the human ego, right? And how, mm -hmm. like, yeah. um, I feel a lot of the AI products today, I, I, I personally feel like, you know, one of the biggest threats is not even the technology anymore. It's not even like, can we make the technology sophisticated or good enough or like mm -hmm. a good enough user experience? I feel like it's just, it's almost like the human ego, right? It's a threat to adoption because for whatever reason, sometimes it feels like cheating, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and, and I, I would say I'm also like somewhat plagued by this as well. Like I'm working, I've been working on a novel for the last year and a half, two years. And, and I'm like, I literally hand write it you know and then i go to a computer mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. i type it up and work it through but like when i'm writing I, yeah. I i don't like to have the internet on um and i also mm -hmm. feel like sometimes there's real value in just grappling with that blankness right like yes. um i feel mm -hmm. uh again this is perhaps 
one of the uh, the negative aspects of technology is that like it's almost destroyed our ability to like wait, watch, mm-hmm. be patient, and just like be with the problem, right? There's this like yep. feeling that okay, if you lack mm-hmm. information, we must go and get information within seconds, um, and. Sometimes, yes, absolutely, right? Like, um, I, I feel like Google Maps is a wonderful thing that we can just, like, get to where we need to, like, pretty fast, fantastic, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. right? Um, but at the same time, sometimes it's, it's wonderful just to be, like, empty because that, and it's painful. It's really, like, intellectually, like, awful sometimes. Uh, but just, it, 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 it's difficult to articulate what it does, but I feel like it leads to um, oftentimes just a deeper level of introspection, um, and a deeper, like, uh, creative outcome as well, if you were. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyways, coming, like, I think the key here is that, you know, people, you know, I'd say good people don't want to feel like they're cheating, they're getting too much help, and that they are doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, do right. you think about that a lot as you guys are building it? Do you feel like, firstly, is that even valid beyond my strange little writing <laughs> world? Or, oh, yeah. um, you know, and then how do you like? How do you think about in the moving forward? How how do you solve something like that? Is it through communication? Is it through like mm-hmm. positioning? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think about that a lot because uh, even though I am I'm an optimist in terms of you know these AI technologies, but I'm definitely not a maximalist <laughs> in the right. sense that I mean you can just keep ma- you can just keep mashing that button thousand times until you get the right thing but then at that point yeah yeah (laughs) uh yeah and and um i think i agree with you i think it is important to have different modes right where i think there's a certain mode where you just you need to stare out the window (laughs) or needed to go for a walk yeah right and to clear your head to just get into a different context and um i think that is very important so I think that that actually goes to the fact that the, the handbook for writing with an AI has not been written, right? Right. Um, and no one has that really, I mean, it's so new, right? Um, yeah. to, how do we use these tools in a way that is mindful, right? It's not about yeah. uh, just, you know, spamming that button, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, And I definitely experienced that too. I, uh, I As I'm testing the system, as I've, you know, tried it, I've definitely had hangovers where... Yeah. Hey, you said, it's like you're, I, I've like read so much AI text, right? Um, uh, coming out of it, um, so I think there is a balance and there's a healthy relationship where I think that there are certain modes where you're very. And I think that actually, currently, as our tool stands, that the, the 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 sort of uh, a lot of the modalities is in the beginning where you're sort of very open. You need to brainstorm. You need to just like get a lot of ideas out in your first draft. I think that AI is splendid for that kind of uh, thing because it can help you be more playful right, right. In, in that sense um, but I think that there there needs to be that rhythm that just like editing just like your internal editor and your internal um, uh, internal write writer right you're right 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 and then you need to go back and you need to process that in your brain yeah. right to see does that ring true what is uh, what is good what is not um, and, uh, and yeah I think that you can you can you you can definitely get overloaded if you keep using the AI like a hundred percent in those kinds of cases, right? I think that you do need those solemn moments. Um, I think George Saunders was uh, in his latest craft book. He, he talks about like he has a little meter in his head that he goes and reads, and then he's like, "Oh, it's good. Okay, no, okay, no, this one's not bad, not good. Yeah, this was good." 
So I think that rewrite that the process of rewriting and the process of introspecting, like AI doesn't replace that. Like you right. again, like the humans have you have to be in the the center of that. Otherwise, well, you could just ma- keep mashing and yeah. Or if you're not even re- if you're not even really considering it and reading it, because I think that that is actually the important part about like the writing is like reading right <laughs> you, yep. you, you have to do both of them um so i do think about that a lot and i think that it, a lot a lot of those uh a lot of those solutions is um communication it is about how we design the product it is about how we how we write that handbook for our users for right. our writers um similar to photoshop i mean you can go in photoshop and just filter the hell out of your image and just call it a day and not even think about it I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> I mean, I, I think maybe you're creating something, but it's just like I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't yeah. want to do that. I wouldn't feel good about, uh, good about doing that. You know, um, I, firstly, I, I completely agree on all of that. Um, we, we've talked a bunch about, like, you know, uh, fiction through the lens of the writer and, let's say, the tooling and technology. If, just, if we were just to switch gears for a second and think like about the reader on a very, very macro, like let's mm-hmm. say societal level, how would you, how do you feel like society's need for fiction has changed or evolved or devolved? Um, I'm consciously <laughs> using the word need there as well. I think need is a really, really yeah. heavy word, right? I'm not even sure it's the right one. You may not consider it. There is a need for fiction as such, but I, I'm curious, like, where you yeah how where you take that question um yeah i think there's a lot of i think the rhetoric of we should all be reading short stories instead of watching netflix is uh red herring uh because you know we're not in this pre-electric age where we sit around (laughs) the fire the log fire and the only entertainment that we have is the latest short story by you know whatever author right <laughs> like a, you know like the next the next Dickens you know like right. chapter that that dropped right <laughs> I don't think, I doubt they call it that, but <laughs> that's kind of hilarious to think about um, but you know so I think that this is a this uh, there is this p- p- almost like this inverted pyramid if you will like um, short stories and the written word. You know, it, it requires more energy from you, right? Yep. In order to to basically, you're directing this movie in your brain, right? Uh, next up is maybe radio, and then TV, and then now you know movies and Netflix and uh, VR and metaverse. You know, I think there's a continuum there, and yep. each con- each point in that continuum going to that to, is takes less energy for you to kind of engage with that material. Um, and I think it is just, uh, uh, human nature that, you know, at the end of the day, are of a very hard day, you're really tired. Um, you're going to reach for that Netflix, right? Yep. Um, and I think to battle that, I, I don't think it's necessarily like a battle. I think that the, the, if you look at the sale of books, like sales of books have actually like, increased in the past uh, few years, like slightly. So it's not it's not like there's this dearth of like um, actually engaging with text. Uh, I think that Netflix and a lot of those things have displaced other activities more um, in general. 
like <laughs> like maybe socializing maybe yeah especially yeah. in the pandemic right um so yeah i i think it's a red herring i think that there will always be a certain level of reading but i i just think it's very hard to try to compare that to the metaverse um where your people are ingesting stories just in different mediums um right and they you know and, and twitter tweet threads right some tweet threads are actually really rich literature in some ways. I mean, uh, uh, not all of them, but, um, and I always, I, I always ask myself, like, what are the most read short stories? Cause yeah, I myself, I, I work mostly in the short story, um, medium. And I think it's tweet threads. <laughs> I think some of those are actually really great stories. They're really short and they're getting like millions of views. Like, wow. Um, and I think that, you know, people are getting their, we do crave stories and I think that it's just a matter of sort of energy level and sort of displacement uh, of those stories. Now, I think, I think kind of what, where, where you're getting at is it, is it sad, right? Is it sad in the world where we are displacing a lot of that reading time with just piping things into our eyeballs and just like moving yep. images and, you know, in the future, 3D VR. Um, and I think that there are, different strengths to different mediums, right? Yep. I mean, I think there are certain, like, a, like an Ishiguro novel, like, I think that is just, a lot of that is just impossible to kind of get that particular experience onto the screen. Um, now, they have done it, but I think it's just like a very different, I almost consider them almost different stories in a way. Um, so I think that literature will always have a monopoly on this, on what it's good at in this sort of, like, you're able to temporally go into per, you know a person's thoughts and then jump back out and just like have have these descriptions that are just like un, un uh, unfilmable, right? Yeah. Um. So in that sense, that I, you know, I'm I I, I guess I'm generally optimist. I think that those things will still um still live on. Uh, and something something funny I I recently read was just the uh, for example like take chess. We always think that chess is like oh such a you know great you know, game, you know, it's like an intellectual. There was a time in like, I think it was the 1800s where people were derailed. There were articles saying like, oh, people are playing too much chess. I saw It's bad for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was just <laughs> but, like a bad game. You know, you should play a good card game instead. I'm like, yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Just like all this, uh, you know, so I think every, at every step of the way, there's going, again, going back to your critiques of technology, right? Just like there'll always be sort of naysayers there. Um, but I think as long as we're in, there is a set of folks who are engaged in reading and also just engaged in good stories, I feel good about humanity in general. Totally, man. I, I, I think that's, that's a beautiful articulation of it as well. I, I really feel that like that same impulse or energy or desire or whatever that got us like around those campfires for the Dickens drop, right? And telling those stories and... <laughs> It's the same. It's actually the similar, if not same, impulse that's going to have people putting on like VR headsets or plugging into Netflix, right? Um, it, it is. I feel like um, whilst the mediums are very, very different, they have like shared almost psychic foundations, right? And actually, just appreciating mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. um, is going to serve us better, right? It just means that okay, we can build like better. We can cater to different aspects of like you know. I don't know, desire and creative needs better. Um, I think we can think about like the commercials around these, uh, you know, mediums just more like holistically as opposed to, you know, um, 
constantly sound like the battle cry, right? Constantly thinking mm-hmm. that these things are at war with each other. Um, actually, just appreciating that, look, this this problem has been like this tension has been reincarnated since like the beginning of time, right? Um, mm-hmm. Chess versus card games, right? AI versus this, uh, digital text editors versus pen and paper, and it's like ah, it's it's just not a great narrative, right? It's just not a great way. <laughs> To, I feel like we've just got more important things to argue about right now um, and, and think about, like just a lot more pressing things that matter as opposed to like worrying about one specific medium versus another. That doesn't mean let's not be, you know, sensitive. Um, but, but, but I love what you said. I think that, you know, um, a let's say a novel, it serves us in a very, very unique way compared to, let's say, a, mm-hmm. a, a really well-crafted like Netflix series. Right. Um, my, uh, my my wife has this nice saying. She she talked about how like um, for her a book is like a longer commitment to empathy. Right. Um, mm. Ultimately, anything is is sort of like an experience in empathy. Watching a Netflix show and putting yourself in in a scene is a you know you it, there's there's a there's a moment of empathy there, right? But the beauty about like novels and books is that they they take some time. Right. Um, you can't typically just just binge it in a day like it may take a few mm-hmm. days or a week or two weeks or, or a couple of months. And so almost, you're almost like committing to that act of like empathy for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And that feels like that feels important in the world that we live in today. It also feels like, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, uh, we, I mean, we could probably record an entire other podcast just about like attention, the attention economy and like sure um yeah. <laughs> but but the beauty is that like yeah I, th- I think depending on the state of mind that you're in depending on like your whatever your 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 your, your general like mental or emotional state um all of these mediums offer you something like quite unique if you're ready for a complete full immersion and ready just almost like uh play in your imagination and your imagination mm-hmm. is, a, is essentially like some sort of psychic mental cinema for you then perfect that's that's a novel will do that but if you need to go outside of yourself and you need to be somewhere else then maybe it's netflix or i don't know a vr like animation but yeah. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and also the quality of these you know the, the, the story can be badly told in a novel as well it just like it can be badly right. told in you know and not true and you know the it, there are definitely bad books out there, right? So, yep. um, and uh, it's just like how, t- you know, TV used to be sort of relegated to, like, oh, it has to be only sitcoms and sort of simple stories. But now, you know, that's shifted. And right. um, because that used to be the domain, of these, you know, like high arc, you know, like very complex, like character arcs, you know, that, um, those are the domain of like feature films and, you know, like there was just not as much capital in that, right? And so that's that's yep. also shifted too. Like TV shows, just like, that, that is now the focus of, you know, many of the greatest storytellers um, of the world. So I, yeah, I wonder, like, it, would, would Dickens do a show? <laughs> maybe today. <Yep>. Um, <laughs> maybe, right? And because right. he finds that, that that's sort of the medium to tell that story. So I, yeah, I think it just goes back to the story. Like, what is what is best served? um for that particular story and i'm not i'm not that tied that it has you know it has to be uh the written word uh in that way and also the blossoming of new mediums right um you know i've been i've been uh playing with ai with my with my son um uh, he's a six-year-old you know he's very active imagination he's in that very he's just 
almost to the point where I, I can start reading The Hobbit to him, which I'm very excited about, <laughs> <laughs> which I just bought and like preparing him right now. Um, but something I do is like, I actually use PseudoWrite to, we sort of collaboratively, uh, he's just beginning to read a little bit, you know, we collaboratively create a story, like a children's story together. Wow. And he just loves it. He's just like, okay, now the lion comes here, and I'm like, what do you want him to do next? Okay, how about you, you make him uh, have a robot friend? I'm like, okay, let's just ask AI to do that. And the AI like, produces this paragraph, I read it to him, and he just like, oh, he, he's just so in wonder, and also just like, he loves it because it's so funny, you know, the AI has no qualms about being like, oh yeah, this is a children's book, okay, make it super silly, right? And so I think that this is, a, a, maybe it's a new medium, right? These right. kinds of like, what if, what if, you know, for him, there will be a world where the world has never ha not had these, you know, language models and this AI that can maybe collaboratively tell a story with him. And, you know, that, you know, interactive fiction, the, the notion of that has been around for, for you know, many decades. Yep. But now I think with these language models that it's become, it can become accessible to anyone. And so what would the future of books be if you could influence the story? And this is just one example, right? right. Um, so I think that there is this danger of, if we hold ourselves to like this particular track of it has the book has to be this capital B book in this kind of way. I think it is good to be expansive and think about you know how we can augment that, and how how it can actually make stories um, richer uh, in ways that we don't you and I can't even think about right now. My son yep. grows up when, when he's like an adult. Like who knows? Like what? <laughs> maybe he's interactively like creating stories, right? And so maybe the act of creation. So that's why I'm very optimistic that these AIs can help everyone create rich worlds like yep. together. Um, and the way is not trivial because I think that a lot of these templated things today, like you see a very you know, you, you know website, you create these characters and stuff. Um, and you know, look at things like AI Dungeon, for example, where you can go and sort of like create your own uh, kind of story that you're going through this dungeon. You oh, let's have the skeletons be in a band. You know, um, I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg there uh, of something new uh, coming down the pipeline in terms of interactive storytelling. I think that's such a wonderful and inspiring note to close on actually the fact that like as you said that the hero is the story right the story mm -hmm. is essentially the spirit of the book and I feel like oftentimes the spirit of something matters more so much more than the thing itself. And we get so caught up in the in the individual thing that we just don't let it grow, right? Like we let mm. our children grow, <laughs> but for some reason we don't let like art sometimes grow or, or a medium because of like, yeah, because maybe fear, ego, just, uh, yeah, sense of like un unhealthy attachments, right? So um, I think that's, that's, that, that's a wonderful thought. So um let, before before we wrap up like I, I know this is such a stereotypical podcast thing to do like, like <laughs> quick fire like let me just get some you know ra wrap up like kind of quick fire thoughts mm -hmm. but I, I i i feel this would actually be fun and i i also would ask you them offline anyway so i'm just gonna go for it right so a couple of like just wrap up questions one is um, a book of fiction that's had a really profound impact on you yeah, sure. I mean, I I always go with Ted Chiang. Uh, I mean, he is 
uh, I, either one of his anthologies, they're both wonderful. Um, I mean, he is sort of the reason why, uh, he is the reason why I got into writing fiction. I just love his style of very intricate stories, just so fantastical, but very centered uh, science fiction on, right. you know, the domestic relationships. And that, that's sort of my favorite genre. Um, I, I just, yeah, I think that he spends years on his short stories, which is just crazy. It's like a lot, a lot of time on it. And uh, I always t tell people if they're looking for new, like, science fiction that is like, that has the sort of the soul of like humanity in it, I would say read his short stories. Um, they will have a profound impact. I always, uh, I always ask myself, what are the stories and books I remember even years after? Um, I just, I remember his stories. Wonderful. Uh, I'm definitely going to check them out. So, next one. What are you currently reading? Um, so, I'm reading, reading less just because I've been build, building a lot of pseudo yeah, I, uh, I kind of ironic. It's just like, yeah, right? classic. <laughs> yeah, tension. Um, I've been re going back to short fiction. Um, so, I've been reading some T.C. Uh, Boyle uh, recently. Um, it's you know, I I think his uh, his anthologies uh, have been great. I don't, I don't remember quite remember the name of the one I'm currently reading, but it's one in the early 2000s that he that he published. Um, oh, I think it's one of them about the plague, which is actually <laughs> kind of very prescient. He has a, the, the 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 last story is about like you know humanity surviving a plague and what what what, what comes yes. of that. Of course, he wrote that in 2001. Yeah, 20 years before. Um, I, I think he he has a profound way of making you feel empathy for a character, and then that character sort of becomes an asshole. Um, it's challenging. I, 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 I like that, I, because I, I think there's something there where you... Because you're starting to root for this character... And then you realize, like, That's this really character is a psychopath, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and my, 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 my friend, like, compares him, actually, to a lot of, like, Russian fiction as well, uh, which I haven't read it as much, which I love to. Um, but this sort of evolution of a character. And then because it makes you question yourself, that if you see qualities of yourself in this character, that you're like, oh, yeah, he's great, you know? Like, the, he really cares about these things and that. And, and wow. then suddenly, like... It, you believably, I think he has such a great way of believably turning this character in, in not necessarily always in an asshole way or a monster way, but like in a way that you're like, wow, I didn't think that they would turn out this way. I, I just love those kind of, um, um, these little portraits, um, of people that surprise, that surprise you. Um, cause I just don't think you get, this, this is just a quality you just don't necessarily get from like social media, right? Or, yeah. or even like a maybe very short Netflix, like special, you know, or, or miniseries. Um, I think he, but he's been able to do that in a short story. You know, I, I just, I just think that that's, uh, that's quite profound. So yeah, I would, I would recommend, uh, him to read it. Def, definitely not a lighthearted read. <laughs> I love it. All right. Last one. So in three words, how do you feel? about the future of fiction? Ah, three words, huh? Um, <laughs> I guess I, f uh, I would say... like, cautiously optimistic. Um, 
Oh, it's only two words, but you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you these, those two. Yeah, cautiously optimistic. Wonderful, cool man. Hey, thank you so much. This was great fun. I think it's been a great first episode, and uh, loved it, man. I hope it was fun for you as well. Oh yeah, for sure. I love, I love talking about this. Thing. Thanks, thanks for having me, Andrew. Thank you so much, man. Thanks so much for listening. Lit Visions is a new podcast and I'd be grateful for any feedback as well as ideas and guest suggestions for future episodes. So please do get in touch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and also checking out the Lit Visions newsletter on Substack for transcripts and future essays. Until next time, have a beautiful month filled with fiction and possibilities.